We are continuing our sermon series through the book of Hebrews. I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. So if you guys have your Bibles and you want to turn that direction, um, I'm going to meet you there very quickly. If not, we do have it up on the screens, and so you can follow along that way as well. Um, But Roger is um, titled the sermon series, Encouragement for the Journey. And the reason why that he chose um, that for the title is because of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22, says this, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly, like 13 brief chapters, right? But that word exhortation um, also can mean encouragement or the third one, admonition. And so as I was looking into these couple words this week, I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job um, because when we just think of encouragement, sometimes we can think of, oh yeah, chipper, exciting, right? Encourage someone. But let me also share with you the other words. And this, I think, makes a lot of sense as we're digging into the book of Hebrews because the word exhortation means an emphatic urging of someone to do something. And if you're reading through the book of Hebrews, you get that, that he's saying, I want you to do this. I urge you to do this. And the word admonition is authoritative counsel or warning. And so as Roger mentioned in the overview, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and maybe some of you guys have forgot, there's several key warnings throughout the book. And in chapter 2, there was the warning against drifting. And this morning, in Hebrews chapter 3, I get to share the warning of having a hard heart. And so you see the balance between he's urging them to do something specifically. He is saying, here's the warning, but also that last word, the encouragement, the action of giving someone support, confidence, and hope. And you're going to see those words, the confidence and the hope, all mentioned. So I want us to really grasp when we say encouragement for the journey. This is teaching, helping one another, urging one another, this call to action, if you will. And I have that same word from chapter 13 in my passage this morning in Hebrews chapter 3. It's verse 13, and here's what it says. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But before we get into talking about hard hearts, I want to make sure that we set the stage. Because some of you may have not been for the last couple weeks, and you're jumping right in with us. So I'm going to catch you up. The author of Hebrews wants to make it clear to his audience that each and every day, like we're to exhort one another so our hearts don't get hard. But here's why. Because... The call of Hebrews is to remain faithful. They've encountered hard times. Things have not gone their way, and they are tempted to turn back. They are tempted to walk away. And this letter is written to encourage them to see that Jesus is supreme in all that he is and all that he has done. Nothing other than Jesus can give us life. And everyone's like, yeah, we know that. But catch this. It's a constant surrendering of our lives to him and to trust in his redeeming work on the cross that saves us. But here's the part that the author is alluding to. And then you live in obedience. You continue to walk it out. You don't walk away from the faith. And so he's trying to present this argument to the audience in chapters 1 through 3 saying he's better than everything. 
And when we want to prove a point, what do we normally do? We have some bullet points, right? We have a list of things to help support our argument or our, what we're trying to help people understand. And so he said in chapter one, he's better than the prophets. And everybody in this room goes, well, duh, yeah, we know that, right? The prophets only point. But remember, the Jewish audience, the prophets were the word of the Lord that spoke to them. They told of this coming Messiah. They were held in high esteem. But Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, he's better than the prophets. In chapter 2, Roger talked about this. He's better than the angels. And once again to us, we're like, duh, we know that. But the angels were messengers of the Lord. They're these powerful beings that were created to worship Christ. And the third one this morning that we're getting to, that he's superior to, is Moses. And once again, right, we, we know but yet we need to see it. And he's going to connect how he is superior to Moses and tie it into not having a hard heart. So you guys with me? That's, that's our framework, our kind of our map, if you will, for this morning as we go through God's word. And so I'm going to jump right in, right? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to tell us who we are in light of what he has done, right? So look what it says. Therefore, holy brothers... You who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. And so he starts off chapter three and he says, we are holy brothers. We have a heavenly calling. And I bet you some of these people in the audience and maybe some of you in here today would go, holy? Heavenly calling? Like, He's holy. He has, has the heavenly calling, but not me. But catch this, because earlier in chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, for he who sanctifies, that's Christ, and those who are sanctified, that's us, all have one source, and that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Did you catch that amazing truth? We are accepted into his family as brothers and as sisters. Why? Because of what he has done. And so we get to partake in this. We get to share in this. And that's a verse that I'm going to be covering here in just a moment of chapter 3. But catch this. Who we are in him affects what we do, right? If I truly recognize him as the one who has changed me and completely given me new life, I'm going to act accordingly. And so the next part of chapter 3 tells us this, right? Right in there, what am I supposed to do now that I know that I have a heavenly calling? Now that I know that I'm holy as a brother and a sister, consider Jesus. And man, I could preach a whole sermon on this right here. Consider Jesus. Here it is. He's like, Prophets, less. Angels, less. Moses, less. But Jesus. And when we think of that word consider, right, I've had a little bit of a head cold this week, kind of, it's springtime in Missouri, right? Everybody knows. Allergies. So I went to the store, and I was looking to buy some soups, and I had to consider my options, right? There's a lot of them. And as I walked in, there was a small little can for a certain price, and then a big can for just a little bit more, and I was doing what? considering the options. Did I need the big one? No, but guess what I got? The big one, right? Because that word consider, okay, if we really think about it, it's 
an urge for you to observe, looking, and understanding. So when he says consider Jesus, he does, doesn't want you to just go, okay, Jesus, cool. You look into it. You think about it. You meditate on it. Here's the second part. When you go to the original meaning, it said to consider attentively, to fix our eyes or our mind upon. And I don't know about you, but as we're talking about the book of Hebrews, did that just spark something? It should take you immediately to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. What is he urging them there? To present their bodies, right? But looking unto Jesus, fixing their eyes on the author and the perfecter of the faith. And that's exactly what we're trying to do this morning. I'm trying to have you guys go, okay, here's Jesus. I'm looking at him. Is he really the founder and the protector or perfecter of my faith? Because he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand at the throne of God. And that's what leads him into this next statement that he says. Because now Moses comes in. Moses, who is faithful to him who appointed him in all of God's house, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house, has more than the house itself. Right? And he, he gives us this really clear picture. You can walk up into a subdivision and go, ooh, that's a nice house. Right? But you know that someone designed that house. Someone built that house. And as he's comparing and using this analogy, he says Moses was just a faithful servant in this house. But did you catch what he describes Jesus as? The son. The heir. And he's seated at the right hand. So Moses, you are faithful. And a lot of people look to Moses and were like, wow, he's awesome. And he was. He was the spokesperson for the people. He went up on Mount Sinai, received the law, and when he came back down, you guys know what the scriptures say? He was like, glowing, right? Pretty cool. Like, that's why he's saying, like, a lot of you are going to go, Moses, wow. But Jesus, whoa, much more glory. And I don't know if you caught this, right? As he's saying, consider Jesus in verse 1, he says, because he's the apostle, no, that's a word that we use for Jesus' followers, right? They were his apostles, but the word literally means delegate, messenger, or ambassador. And we sometimes forget that he was the messenger sent down to this earth. It says that he is our high priest. He is the one who is now interceding for us. And so I hope you're following all these different connections this morning, because Moses, as great as he is, he's just the servant. Jesus is the son, and Jesus is faithful over God's house. And I love the last part of chapter 6. This is where it ties it in for us. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Jesus has been faithful to his duties as a father. He will be faithful to his duties to us. We can trust him, and he has so much more glory. I love the fact that as he's saying this, right, he's talking about us being included in this house. What does that mean? Well, I believe that 1 Peter helps connect the dots for us. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 does. It explains this. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men. So men, when Jesus came, we rejected him. 
but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones and are being built up as a spiritual house. Like we're a part of this, but catch that part. We are being built up. What did you hear there? It takes time. This is a process, right? We are supposed to be this holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable through God, through Jesus Christ. And he is beginning this work in us, Philippians says, in verse 1-6. And it says, he will be able to what? Complete it. So this is what the author is trying to make sure that the people see. I know hardship's coming. I know you're going to be tempted to put some other things ahead of him. But here is Christ. And I want you guys to see this so clearly so you don't forget. So you don't get distracted. Right, so that's where, it, where his intro is. And then it's almost like he kind of pauses for a second and then is like, all right, let me teach you something else. But they tie together, okay? So now verses 7 through 18. And here's what I believe is the meat of our passage this morning. Here's the application. Here's the part that as I walked throughout this week, I just felt like I was mm, stepping on my own toes. Because I, let me tell you, this is the part that if we're not careful, we all will miss. Okay, look what it says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, so the writer is saying this is God's word, and he reaches back into the Old Testament. He reaches specifically to Psalms chapter 95. Three times. So we're going to go there here in just a second, but hang with me. Here's what it says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Now, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, that may be confusing to you, right? What rebellion are we talking about? Who put the Lord to the test? So you know what we do? We look to Scripture to explain Scripture. So his reference in Psalms 95, I'm going to read it, and hopefully you're connecting the dots. But if not, try to listen and see what rebellion he's describing. Here's Psalms 95 verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Right? He, in Hebrews, he just got done explaining who we are in him. Now look what it says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, there's your context clue, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So does anybody know what rebellion we're talking about now? Have you connected the dots? I see a few head nodding, right? This is God's people wandering in the wilderness, specifically in Numbers chapter 20, verses two through 13. And we don't have time to read all this, but I've got the verses up there, right? Look what it says here. Now there was no water for the congregation. So remember, the whole part of Hebrews is when hardship comes. No water in a desert. Check, right? Hardship, grumbling, quarreling, and who do they go to? Moses. Now we're connecting some dots, right? There's Moses. He's, he's great, but he's not Christ. So Moses goes to the Lord, right, on behalf of the people. Notice what it says. We're jumping down to verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and said to them, here now, you rebels. <laughs> Moses has a sense of humor. He calls out his people for their hard hearts, but 
Here's the hard problem of life. You call someone out, and guess what? You'll see very quickly. You have the same thing. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? So Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and all of their livestock. And everybody's like, woohoo, awesome. But there's part of that story I didn't read. You guys remember it? The Lord told Moses to speak to the rock. And because he disobeyed, there's consequences. Look at verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe. Circle that. Mark that one down. That's going to be key to as we develop chapter 3 this morning. Moses didn't trust. And let me tell you, Moses did a ton of things right, but here is his moment of his heart got calloused. His heart got hard. And here's what, maybe I'm reading into this, but I think this is what it's saying. He was around hard-hearted people, and they impacted him. Day after day, he heard the people grumble. He heard the people quarrel, and they kept saying, Moses, why is the Lord not providing And even in his, I'm going to them, Lord, like, he recognizes that rebellious attitude, right? And yet, what does he show? The same thing. His heart was hardened as well. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. The Lord is always trying to show us that he's good that he is holy, and that he wants to provide for his people. So we went to, from Hebrews to Psalms to Numbers. Now take me back to Hebrews, okay? You follow me? So here we are in verse 11. Let Let me back up to 10. They always go astray in their what? Their hearts. And here's the key. This is the part I want us to see. Why do we stray in our hearts? They have not known my ways. Did the people not know? They knew, but they weren't obedient to it. And I think that's a lot of the problem today. There's a lot of people who, I want to be passionate about Jesus, but they don't know what he's commanded them to do. They are not spending time in his word. I love how one commentator said it this way. True commitment to Jesus is demonstrated over the long term, not just an initial burst. Right? The Lord requires us to be faithful. The Lord requires us to seek him day after day. And as we're getting into our text, the Lord is urging us to exhort one another daily. Don't turn back. Hold fast. Jesus is enough. What incredible benefits we have in him. And yet, we're quick to grumble. We're quick to complain. We doubt his provision. We don't see his hand moving mightily in our lives. And this is something that happens repeatedly throughout Scripture. And it's easy for us to look and go, children of Israel, right? Shame on you guys. Are we any different from them? Absolutely not. And I've been talking with my students about this on Wednesday night. We've been preaching through the book of Nehemiah, and they had to rebuild the broken down walls because of God's judgment. They had not done what he had told them. They had been sent off in exile, and then this beautiful thing happens. They rebuild the walls, and then in chapters 8 and 9, they start confessing their sin. They start looking around and going, this could happen again. 
if we don't get right. We've got to make sure, and this was my illustration, and I'm sharing it this morning, because sin is sneaky. Sin is deceitful. Sin is something that causes our hearts to grow hard without us really even noticing it. I equate this to the dirty dish pile, to the laundry pile. These are the things that when you get up in the morning and you make your breakfast and you're like, okay, I don't have time for that, right? We got to get out the door, get the kids to school, go to work. So where do you put the dishes? In the sink. One meal, not a big deal, right? Lunch comes along. More dishes, a little bit higher. And we can look at it and go, you know what? We can get it when? Later. Dinner time rolls around. All the family's home. You've got a pile of dishes now. This is not a perfect illustration, by the way, okay? And if there's dishes in your sink this morning, I'm not saying you're walking in sin, all right? Hear me. But here's what I am saying. It piles up. It goes unnoticed, and we become comfortable with it in our lives. We're okay with seeing the sin. We push it off to the downstairs. We hide it in a corner. That's what we do with sin. Watch what verse 12 says. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil and unbelieving. See that part there? How, how does he equate this unbelieving to? An evil heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He's like, here's the reason why it's so important. Your heart becomes calloused. You drift. You go your own way. And you have no clue how far you've gotten before finally sin reveals itself and the consequences hit and you go, what have I done? Sin takes you further than you want to go. Sin keeps you longer than you want to stay and sin causes you to pay way more than you ever wanted to pay. That's the consequences that he's talking about here. And as I'm up here this morning, I'm going, this is a serious warning. We do not need to have hard and callous hearts. And notice what it says in verse 13. So what do we do? We exhort one another. Every day, as long as it's called today, we think, oh, I've got time. No, deal with it now. And I know what some of us are thinking. It's easy to see sin in other people's lives. Yes, it's hard to see in our own. This is not me saying, hey, everybody go out and start pointing out sin. No. But as you live life with people, as you feel the Holy Spirit working in your life, when you see a brother who's stumbling in sin, what are you to do? To go to him in love. Hear me. Our prayer for this morning should be, Lord, send someone to reveal to me first. We're not praying that we get to be sent out, but that God would send someone to exhort us because sin so easily deceives us. Look what verse 14 says. For we have come to share in Christ. Other versions say we are partakers of Christ. Like, here's how you avoid sin. Here's how your heart becomes soft again. You partake in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm till the end. Once again, here it is. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He has proven faithful he is true. We can go to him. And he's the one who reveals what's really going on in our hearts and our lives. Here's a quote that I read this week that I just, I can't get out of my head. And I, I, you guys have to hear it, right? You have, to, you have to listen. Unbelief is not the inability to understand. 
Because I think we understand sometimes what we're doing. But it's the unwillingness to trust. Is it really that simple, Brett? Yeah. But yet, so hard. Because we're prone to think that we're not that bad. We're prone to think that my sin is not that big of a deal. We're prone to think that I've got time to deal with this. Or we close off and don't let anyone else around it see what's really going on. Here's my encouragement for us this morning. We need to be vulnerable. We need to have people in our lives to help us stay out of this hard-heartedness. To help us stay away from sin. We need our brothers and sisters to walk alongside us and go, here's what I see. Let me help you. Let me walk with you. Because here's what I know to be true. If you're walking all by yourself, guess what you're probably setting yourself up for? Failure. You're setting yourself up to become callous and hard. Because you'll drift. That's life. And so my encouragement for us this morning, listen to what Proverbs 28, 14, right? Proverbs is full of all this wisdom literature. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Another version says trouble. How do we avoid trouble? Back to the fear of the Lord. Considering what Jesus has done, who he is. If you don't want a hard heart, don't go about it as I've got to make myself be better. Wrong. You look to him and you follow hard after him. You see what his word says to do and you do it. When people look at you and go, why are you doing that? Because that's what God says for me to do. And they go, I don't see that. And you're like, here's scripture. Over and over again, I come across it. People going, but I don't know if I feel convicted about it. If the word says it, you better feel convicted about it. Because that's God's word working in our hearts and our lives. So here it is, guys. Three times he says, today, if you hear his voice, and I'm praying this morning that we have heard his voice, that Brett stepped out of the way, he's presented to you what the author of Hebrews is saying. Exhort, encourage, admonish, teach. Here's our action respond today. Because I stand up before you, and I had to do a lot of confessing throughout this week as I prepared for this. Sin is sneaky. And it presents itself in ways that we don't even think. I love how many times David says throughout the Psalms, search my heart, oh God. Lord, you, you've got to search it. Reveal it to us. I want you to bow your heads this morning. As I look at Hebrews, there's so many things that connect. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, if you just go a few chapters, verse 24 and 25 says this, and just listen to this as your eyes are closed. Let us consider, there's that word again, how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as, the, as you see the day drawing near. The day is drawing near. We are gathered together this morning, and here is our time of encouragement. 
Here is our time to consider how to spur one another on. But first, I want to ask you to do business in your own heart. Father, is there any sin in my life that's unconfessed? Father, is there anything in my life that I've become hard-hearted to? I'm just calloused. And if the seed fell on it right now, it wouldn't grow. It hasn't been tilled up. Maybe you're here today and you're new to this church thing or maybe you've been here for 50 years and you've said, I don't really know if I've really surrendered. Like, if I'm being honest, my heart is hard. Scripture says that he will take our heart of stone and he will give us a heart of flesh. He will breathe his life inside of us and he will write his word on our hearts. That is the promise of the new covenant. And you can enter into an agreement with him this morning by saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Now confess, Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's your confession this morning. And if you need to come to pray or to share that, we have people here at the front. This altar is open. We want to give you time to process what God is speaking to you this morning. So if you need to move, move. If God's doing business right there, act upon it. Maybe someone says, I need to be obedient to baptism. As I've been reading God's word, I've never fully taken that step of obedience and declaring to the world, I'm his. It's a beautiful picture of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Or maybe this morning you're saying, I've kind of been on the outsides of this church. I've not really got plugged in. I need to be all in. I want to join this church as a member. And maybe you are a member and you're still on the outside and not plugged into a small group. And there's no one really to speak into your life this morning. Pray about where you can plug in. Or you can have brothers and sisters helping you walk holy and pleasing before the Lord. The choice is yours this morning. And I know there's some people who are live streaming right now and you're saying, well, I'm not in that building, but I feel this. Reach out to us. Email us. Text us. We want to know what God's doing in your heart, what he's doing in your life. Because I believe, as Hebrews says, his word is powerful. It's active. It's sharper than to any edged sword. And it, it pierces us this morning. So how will we respond to his word? Act today. Let's all stand together. We have just a moment of invitation. As uh, they play softly, if you feel the need to come, if you need to be prayed for, we want you to do that. And so as they play, I just want you to be obedient to the Lord.
Hey, we have a couple decisions to share with you here in just a minute. Uh, on your way out today, uh, if we could have that last slide, we're going to take a dollar offering today. There's a young man. His name is Josh. It's Paulette Lewis's grandson. And uh, about a year ago, he was 19 years old, was on a motorcycle, and a car cut in front of him. Obviously had an accident, and he's now a quadriplegic. And he's been in the hospital or rehabilitation for almost a year. Been crazy. They finally, about three weeks ago, got to come home. And so uh, the family's just got a lot on their plate right now. And they didn't ask for anything, but the staff felt like it would be nice to, to do a dollar offering just to give them something as just kind of a, uh, just kind of a love offering there. And so anyway, we're going to do that. So there's a basket in the back that has the same picture on the basket back there. So if you... Uh, feel led to do something, you can drop it in there. Also, the baby bottles will be collected next Sunday. So if you didn't get a baby bottle and you would like one, we're just collecting change. It's going to a pregnancy resource center in Union. They're very strong, proactive. It's a great organization, and it's always good to support local folks who are on the front lines of trying to protect the unborn. That's so vitally important. So uh, appreciate that. So a couple decisions. Terry, you want to come up? So they've been coming for about 10 years, 10 years. They, were kept wait, they kept waiting for the preaching to get better, which today apparently it did with Brett. <laughs> so anyway, we appreciate her. Come up, and I'll let you introduce your mom. Ann Lyles. So anyway, I know they've been coming for a while, so they just want to officially... Uh, plug in, become a member. So if you rejoice in that, how about an amen? Amen. amen? amen. That's exciting. Anything you want to share? I didn't ask you ahead of time. I should have. No, I've just been procrastinating it and decided I'd do it today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys. If you don't mind, I'll have you head in the back there and then, uh, okay, you still got to fill That's okay. Well, you can head in the back there and then I'll meet you back there. All right, Kurt. I'll let you introduce your bride here. Uh, my name's Kurt. You've seen me before, and this is my lovely bride, Heidi. We've been coming here about a year and a half, got plugged in, and then I've said it before, just the sense of, and it's a word that's overused, community. We all hear that used way too much. However, the community here really has impressed us with the fact that you're all in as was said earlier by Brett's message, you're all in when you love this community to several degrees, whether you're a babe or whether you're at the end of life with the funerals that you do. (laughs) Well, you know. Anyway, but we're just blessed to to be part of it, and we just decided to come forward and place our membership. Awesome. Love these guys, uh, man, just so passionate. So if you rejoice in their decision, how about a praise the Lord? All right, God bless you. you. If you would have looked at Bob and said, old people, I would have been so much more excited. <laughs> so you guys can join us in the back as well. I appreciate Brett. I just want to say, you know, people have said to me, boy, Brett is really a good communicator for a young guy. He's good for an old guy. I mean, he, he just has a gift. And so it, it's just such a blessing to be able to serve with our staff, to be able to and you always sit at each other's feet. I've learned so much from Brett, so I, I appreciate Brett Jones, and so I really appreciate his heart and feel very blessed 
uh, to be able to serve alongside of him. Love you guys. Hope you have a great week. We're going to pray, and then we'll close out with a song. So again, great to see you. Uh, next two weeks, we won't be in Hebrews. We're going to have Friend Day. We're going to present a gospel presentation, and then on Easter Sunday. Don't forget to get out there in the foyer. We have 2,500 door hangers. You can just hang on somebody's door. And we have up 2,500 postcards, all right? So everybody grab a small stack, take them with you, because after two weeks, they all go in the trash. They're no good after Easter, all right? I always remember the story. People say, well, would it do any good to lay down a card? Like if you're going out to eat, put it with your tip, okay? If you don't tip, don't put a card down, okay? <laughs> or put down another church, all right? But anyway, you say, would, would it really make a difference? I can still remember, probably five, six years ago, we had, a, we had a family come on Easter. They found an invitation card to our church in a basket, a shopping cart at Snooks. Somebody from our church left a card, an invitation in a shopping cart. They found it, and they came to church. So you never know. And so I said, well, is it worth them just coming once a year? Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. Because we're going to share Jesus, all right? So if they'll come, it's worth it. So please take some, be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And the good thing about the cars, you don't have to say anything, just leave it somewhere. I even had one person several years ago, they put it in all their bills. They mailed back to the city. They put up an invitation. I don't know. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Be creative. Rent an airplane. Just throw them out over a subdivision. I don't, whatever you feel like to do. I better close. All right, let's pray. We'll have our closing song. Good to see you guys. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come, to just enjoy fellowship together, to be able to laugh together and to, to feast on your word and the worship. Father, I pray that all of our hearts would truly uh, just be soft and open to your voice each and every day we live. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.